Happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, who I thank you. To my understanding, is like he's like the Pied Piper of Ireland, except with snakes, right? Something like that. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to Ralph Kruger, especially, who can now go home, isolate, have a pint of green beer, all by his lonesome. No longer responsible for the worst team in the NHL, 12-game losing streak. The Buffalo Sabres head coach has been dismissed on this St. Patrick's Day. Good morning to you, J.D. Bunkus. Good morning. I feel like St. Patrick's Day is the number one holiday that goes from the coolest holiday to the most meaningless overnight. Yeah, I don't know what the meaning is unless you're Irish, unless you're yeah. in Ireland. If you're just us, Which you my and mom I... really thinks we are. You know, my mom really is one of those classic Canadians where our family's been here for forever on her side. Mm-hmm. And yet, she'll buy you a pin and go, this is our Irish coat of arms. She's oh. into Ancestry.com. She'll check out all the stuff with Irish. We're so Irish. Oh, well, that's our Irish. It's like, yeah, we're not that at all. We're Canadian no. all the way, through and through. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever. So- but she's she's definitely jacked about St. Patrick's. I obviously woke up to a text message from her. Happy St. Patrick's Day, <laughs> little cloverleaf. Our Irish heritage. All right, I guess so. Uh, I feel no ways. I'm sure if I went to Ireland, you know, they would welcome me in with open arms. Oh, Irish guy. Canadians are hilarious with this stuff, right? When people ask us, you know, what are you? The response is always, oh, you give your background. Well, you know, a uh, hundred million years ago, I had a... Irish grandma who came over right. here, so I'm Irish, I guess. No, no, brutal. You're not. I, I've known you for hey, a long time. It, when you meet Irish people, they don't think of us as Irish. I, yeah, no, they probably think of Saoirse Ronan. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've known you for a, a long Saoirse. time. Yeah. yeah, that's what I said. What did you, yeah. yeah. I know how to say Saoirse Ronan. I can uh, even yeah, look no. at it and say it, because um, yeah. <laughs> it is spelt weird. But I've known you for a long time. And I know you're a big-time Latvian heritage. I had no idea you were part Irish. Oh, yeah. Uh, b- according to my, m- Basically with my mom, half and half, according to her, basically. Basically oh. half and half. Uh, but, yeah, man, you have St. Patrick's Day. It's the coolest. You go out. You drink. It's an amazing drink-all-day holiday when you're younger. And now it's just, hey, it's St. Patrick's Day. Hey, you old fart. What are you doing? Nothing? Classic. No, nothing. Not not anything. It goes from every, all day drinking, uh-huh. probably not even one. It's it's a weekday. I'm not mm-hmm. having a drink this week. It's a week. It's a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's the middle of the week. It'll set Take me yourself, back. But... It'll set me back. I'm not doing anything today. But yeah, the Buffalo Sabres. It feels as though they've had a new head coach every year since Lindy Ruff was relieved of his duties. He was fired in 2013. Since then, they've had six head coaches. They're about to have their seventh. Seven head coaches since 2013. And I know one of those is an interim head coach, but even still. Woof. That franchise just cannot figure it out. And for a while, it was, oh, the optimism of Buffalo. Oh, they're turning a new chapter in Buffalo. Oh, they're going to change things up in Buffalo. They might do this. They might do that. Darlene, Eichel, whatever. Them and the Leafs, who's going to be better off in the next three years? Well, Buffalo's further ahead in their rebuild, but the Maple Leafs are right behind them. Oh, Buffalo's looking a little behind the Maple Leafs. It's pretty clear they are the NHL franchise where you talk about ownership, right? It's the beginning and end of the conversation, how meddling the ownership has been and how they've torn that scouting department limb from limb, how they have nobody there, and I understand scouting is a problem for all these NHL franchises right now in the pandemic, but this was before that. This is, this team is going as a skeleton crew to try and evaluate and bring in players. Uh, They've signed free agents, they go out and get Taylor Hall, who again, made a decision on a one-year deal to go to the Buffalo freaking Sabres to boost his value going into another free agent year. I mean, he probably didn't think he would play this poorly. He obviously didn't think that the team would play this poorly. But it's it's absolutely, if you're a Sabres fan, and it's they came in with such incredible praise and promise, the Pagulas, local 
people, lots of money, deep pockets, loved the franchise, loved the history of the franchise, celebrated the history of the franchise, and it has been an abject disaster basically since they stepped foot inside the building. I wrote on October 11th, 2020, Taylor Hall and the Sabres couldn't be a more perfect match. And I didn't mean that because I thought it was going to work out. Uh, I wrote that because I thought it was going to go pear-shaped. I thought it was going to go exactly the way it's gone. Maybe not this bad, but pretty damn bad. I, it's just okay. I don't know how you're optimistic about being a Sabres fan or someone who follows that team and thinks, oh, don't worry, a new head coach will change things up. They already did the move of go back to the past, right? They already pulled their Daryl Sutter in getting Ted Nolan. Correct. Didn't work out. They went and got Dan Bilesma, who had a ton of success with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That didn't work out. This is two years. Phil House, basically, the Sabres go out and get a new head coach with real pedigree or promise, and they last two, one or two years, and then they pull the plug. Two years, every two years, the Sabres go, ah, nope. That, that's not working. We'll try a new coach. We'll try a new coach. Ever since Lindy Ruff, who I think was there for 16 seasons. It was nuts. Forever. It was, remember when it was him forever. and Greg Popovich? Yeah. Yes. Those were the two guys that were the t- longest tenured coaches. Now, every two years, Buffalo pulls the plug. I don't have a lot of reasons to be optimistic if you're a Sabres fan. It seems pretty clear that Jack Eichel is going to be the Deshaun Watson of the NHL a guy who's under a long-term deal, who just signed a long-term deal, who is a player that normally you do not see traded, right? Uh, First-line franchise center, a top-end franchise quarterback. Those things don't get traded. You got to think it's at least a possibility that there's a good shot. Yeah, that there's a good shot he gets dealt during the offseason. It won't happen at the deadline, but during the offseason, Jack Eichel gets traded. And then what? Taylor Hall walks away. Maybe you can flip him at the deadline, recoup some assets. Now you're working with Rasmus Dahlin and my son, Dylan Cousins, and then not a whole lot else. So bleak. Jeff Skinner, bleak times it, in Buffalo. Jeff Skinner is a Whoa. guy that that picks up the tab on the road, like uh, at the restaurants. If we ever get back to going out again, like at least Jeff mm-hmm. Skinner is like making a lot of coin and probably feels a little guilty. So that yeah, was the ultimate Buffalo credit move. card coming out of his wallet. The ultimate Buffalo move was, hey, this guy had a career season and no one thinks he's going to replicate this. But if you let him walk, mm-hmm. you kind of look cheap, Buffalo, and mm-hmm. you're not known to be able to keep free agents. So here's a guy you can keep. And then they did it. The Raptors used to do that with guys. Mm-hmm. The Raptors used to do that with free agents, overpay to keep or to acquire. That was the thinking behind Rudy Gay. Never forget that. Rudy Gay, when the Raptors got him, it was... Don't we all know now this guy's super overrated and he's not the way the league is going? And the media response was, yeah, but what else are you going to do at the cap space? (laughs) Who else is going to come here? Turns out he was a net negative and sending him away immediately made the team better. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Uh, Anyways, shout out to those uh, good times with Rudy Gay. Yesterday, Kyle Dubas speaks. He gets on his Zoom. I watched it in the three-parter on NHL.com. I don't know I how you can. I watched the whole it. 38 minutes. Was you watched on it live? Sportsnet. No, Sportsnet's yeah. YouTube page had all 38 minutes. Oh, well. I should have watched it there. Obviously, Obviously it was better. It wasn't <laughs> broken up like I had to watch it on NHL.com like a savage in three parts. What year is this? I'm just going to start with this. He addressed a lot of different things. We're going to go through them right now. I thought he handled it really well. I have been pretty critical of Dubas throughout his tenure. He just, he looks like a guy who's growing along with the team. He spoke really well, and I couldn't get the thing Mike Fuda said out of our, my head when I was watching him speak, which is that this is a really honest guy when you're dealing with him in trade discussions, and I think he's pretty honest when he talks to the media. This is a Lou Lamorello disciple who doesn't 
do a lot with the media here, which is probably smart because everything gets picked apart. Maybe there's a case to be made that if you did more, there would be less in a way or whatever, that these end up becoming these massive, massive deals whenever you get to talk to the general manager or now the coach or any of the players at this point because that's kind of the Lou Ripple effect, that it's really, really hard to get these guys in front of cameras and microphones. But when he spoke yesterday... I thought his assessment of where the team was at was bang on. Mm-hmm. I thought his composure about this recent slump was accurate and made me feel better. And the way that he described it, yeah, I just I had nothing to disagree with. The Leafs have been really good. And he talked about those process games against the Jets, the two where... They win one in overtime, the other one where they're a better team. Yeah, they have two bad games, really. When you're looking at this stretch, it's two bad games, one of which they play the Senators and Michael Hutchinson puts them behind the eight ball with two of the worst goals against this entire season. He mentioned that these are still growth opportunities, that the Leafs get to come back and try and prove themselves, that this is kind of what this season was all about, and having some adversity is not the worst thing for this group to see what they can prove. He basically laid out a bunch of their trade deadline plans to the media, uh, how aggressive he's going to be, some sh- thoughts on Freddie Anderson that I thought were pretty fair. I-, I just thought it was a really... When I think back to when the Leafs got bounced in the off season, that media conference, Kyle Dubas, to the one that we saw yesterday, I thought it was a stark, stark difference. Well, understandably, right? Because after those five games against a team that for the first time in your playoff tenure, you're the favorites against. Mm -hmm. Not the favorites against the Bruins twice. Not the favorites against the President's Trophy winners, the Washington Capitals. You were favored in a five-game series, heavily favored in a five-game series against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and you were lucky to even push it to five games and then embarrassed yourself a couple of times in that series. So part of it was that the questions were way more pointed, and as they should have been in the moment, I think smartly, nobody looked like a moron saying like, well, all the, the positive energy around this team really dissipating. Are you a little bit worried about where your team is trending? Because anyone with eyes would say the same things that Kyle Dubas is saying about this recent run, that it's not overly concerning that the last two games the back-to-back against Winnipeg and Ottawa were not great maybe their two worst games of the season but before that yeah losses were piling up but it was not because they were getting caved in they got goalied a couple of times uh, against the Winnipeg Jets he is super honest he is absolutely honest and my favorite answer of the whole thing and okay yeah but remember the Cody CC answer last the he, he was very honest in this media conference. I think that's what he wants to be. It was just a terrible look when they got bounced last year, and he didn't go with his usual strategy of being transparent. It was just defensive, overly defensive. You don't remember the Cody Cece answer where he I said do, he had a lot I of do. data we have about Anna, how yeah, he's that, actually good and yeah. you guys don't know what you're talking well, about? Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 I he probably believe that. He probably no. had to talk it out and say, yeah, that's probably true, and Cody Cece's probably a lot better than the Come people on. are saying. But he's, he can't be playing 20 minutes a game next to Morgan Riley and us to have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. Obviously, obviously, obviously. And that's why he spent so much of the offseason working on the blue line. You're right. That was an emotional guy, even a couple of days after that five-game series, and a guy that probably felt like he needed to defend himself and his team. His team doesn't need defending right now because nobody's attacking it. If anything, it's been overly praised. All his off-season moves, yeah. all yeah. the all the guys he's brought in on one-year deals. I wouldn't say all the off-season moves. They just Jimmy VC's. Uh, <laughs> no, he's not released. He's on waivers. Yeah. Oh, waivers. Go, sorry. Yeah, you can go down to the Marlies. Nice little depth piece, Jimmy. Mm. Jimmy VC. But yeah, by and large, Don't the story of the season. <laughs> by and large. The story of the season has been what a great job Kyle Dubas has done rebuilding this blue line, getting guys to come over on short and small money deals. So, yeah, obviously the tenor was going to be different. What was your favorite uh, response? Because I have mine. Well, before we move on to the responses, I'm just going to say to wrap up the giving Kyle Dubas credit segment here. Because, again, he does deserve it. He doesn't get enough credit for how aggressive he is at the deadline. Because on deadline day, he has added Malgin and Patan, who are hilarious 
Leafs just misses. You can disagree on Patan. I don't know how, but it's the way it is. They're hilarious Leafs misses in that people, it's an easy, cheap joke to go after Dubas and say he loves the little guys who have skill and are the 4A type of player that but he believes can be in the NHL. And those two guys, Malgin and Patan, fit that just so perfectly. And so that's what you think of when you think Dubas at the deadline. But really, he's the guy who sets the prices at the deadline. He's been the guy who is aggressive. He's gone out and gotten Jake Muzzin. Right. And they gave up Sean Dursey. They gave up a first-round pick. They gave up Carl Grundstrom. Those were all meaningful assets for the Maple Leafs organization, especially at the time, to go out and get Jake Muzzin. He saw an area of need. He went out, pushed the chips in. And... I think he deserves criticism for having to work backwards on the Jack Campbell move because, yeah, it was kind of easy to sign a backup goaltender. They blew it with Curtis McElhaney, all those things. That it was a ripple effect that resulted in him having to give up assets to go out and get Jack Campbell, but he still did that too. And these were, what, three to four weeks from the deadline? Two to three weeks before the deadline when he made those moves? And now he's doing the same thing this year where it's, hey – what is Kyle Dubas? He's the guy in the news. What other franchise right now is out there going, we're actively trying to add right now. We'll give up a top prospect right now. We're open for business. He said the thing about how you need two teams, two teams to make a deal. I liked that. If you want to ask me, I guess I can blend that into my favorite response. That was it. This guy was all over the place saying, hey, most of the conversations are about a forward. That snap answer when he was asked, That's hey, would you give That's up a prospect? That's my absolute yeah. favorite. Like, you could have easily. Yes, and do you think Lou, Lam- Lou Lamorello is saying yes? He's saying, yeah. we're looking at a bunch of different things. Oh, and Lou Lamorello was- would have had your head for asking that question. He'd be like, uh, what's your name, son? Yeah. Uh, J- no, J.D. Put- <laughs> Bunkus. Oh, that's – hold on a second. How do you spell that? Yeah. And uh, you got an address, son? your address? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Why, Mr. No, Lou? He put Nick Robertson and Rasmus Sandin on notice. He said, yes. He said, would you consider trading a top, a top prospect? There was no follow-up. There was no need to explain mm-hmm. himself. There was, I got your answer. You want, your, you want an answer? Here it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Those are the conversations I'm having right now, and it's not for a guy with term. This is not a blockbuster guy that's going to be a member of our organization for two and three and four years because, in fact, it's a rare time where a rental is a better fit for this hockey team. And still, in that scenario, I'm willing to give up a young, controllable, cheap piece of our future for something that helps us in this all-in season. Now Now you're... Uh, I mean, did he not say all those things? N- not together, and you're uh, kind of. You're, did he not say those things? You're putting your pieces together the way that you want them, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do I think there are certain players that they would give up a top prospect in order to acquire as a rental? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's likely that if the Nashville Predator- Predators want Nick Robertson for? half a season of Mikhail Granlin that they're going to do that trade? No. So to me, that's really what this is coming down to is this game of chicken between the Leafs and the Predators of when are you going to give up this guy? And if I'm Dubis, the only thing I'm telling the Sabres or sorry, the Predators is, hey, the longer you wait, the less I'm going to give you. Dude, and in fact, if this goes to the deadline on what is it? April 12th. Like, I might not even do this thing because that means I I have this player for seven games, maybe Mm -hmm. six, and it's not like they're going to be working out and ready to go. They'll be sitting literally in their hotel room. We'll have to, Mm -hmm. I guess, set them up with their own home gym in a hotel room, and they'll just be pumping iron. Won't be skating for two weeks. So they're going to have to work themselves back into game shape with the final six, seven games of the regular season then thrown right into the middle of – the playoffs and yeah. seven games, maybe fewer than that, to save our season and get through this North Division. So, my only thing with this is Dubis is trying to play a game of chicken with David Poyle. And that seems bad. You know? <laughs> that, that's. I just gave Dubis a lot of credit. Maybe he does win this trade. I think just getting the player is winning the trade just about. But I don't think David Poyle is really sweating the situation. I, I don't think he's sitting by the phone going, Oh, boy, better do what Kyle Dubas says. Better 
Better accept the deal. All right, cow. You can have him. I'm afraid of what could come. Uh, he's probably got a pretty good idea. This guy's pretty well connected throughout the league. Guessing that he's got a strong understanding of what the market is and the risks that are involved and what the... I don't know. How many people cover the Nashville Predators? Three? One. Oh, I was going to yeah. guess one. Even if they blow the trade, he, the one guy writes the hit piece... David Poyle, and then he's fired and never gets to cover the Nashville Predators. Well, you right? ne- he's not fired because nobody sees it because it's on page right. 10 uh, after mm-hmm. nine pages of Titans stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Titans are doing things, though. I know Titans are, are doing things, right? They got Bud Dupree. I like that move I know. for them. So, yeah, I liked that. I liked that honesty. Part of me also looks at it as a bit performative because... Yeah, who isn't going to like that right now? Who isn't going to like the GM that says, yeah, I'll trade a top prospect? It would be kind of weird for him to say no. Well, like, what would the other answer be? That was my only no. thought later was... Well, but it could be how could he... How? Well, Give I me that. You could say... uh, hold on. You be Kyle Dewis. You play Kyle okay. Dewis. I'll play the media. Sure. Uh, Kyle, would you be willing to trade a top prospect in order to acquire a win-now player? There's... Uh, thank you for the question. J.D. is a great question. Thank you oh, wow, so you're much not prepared. for oh, okay. asking that question. J.D., I just want to say thank you to all the media mm-hmm. members who have uh, That's a great question. taken the time. It was a That's great a question. Great question. Yeah. It was a yeah. great question. We're looking at a lot of different things. We have a lot of irons in the fire, and when you're in a position like we are as the Toronto Maple Leafs and pretty secure in our playoff position, you can afford to be versatile with the different things that you're looking at. I would say that at this position in the history of the franchise, there's not a lot that is off the table. Um, but it's a good question. I, I don't want to get into specifics of, of the type of conversations and the players that we're putting in deals. Thank you very much. Next question. Uh, cool. Me, the media guy, has now taken there's not a lot that's off the table and slapped that as a headline on every article uh, in the city. So thank you. Yeah, you just okay, said the well, exact same thing. It's not as good thing. as that. No. Yeah, it, but it's not, yeah. it's not as good. It's the exact same. That's what I'm saying is there's really no – it would have been a lose move for him to say anything like we're not sure what our plan is. Right? He, you know, he exuded confidence. That's what he was selling to this market. That's what that media conference was for. Who? That's for the fans. That's not for us. Dude. I know people think that's a meeting with the media. That's not for the media. That's for the fans. That is Kyle Dubas sitting down telling the fan base, hey, I'm running the ship right now. I have the prospects out there. I'm trying to get a win now piece. Don't worry. I'm on top of the deadline. We're working on it. I know it's a now thing. We're trying to make sure that this happens ahead of the deadline. Guess what? I've done it before. Don't worry. I got you. That was what we – that's all. There's nothing else that needs to be said. All the other things like they, – all the Freddie Anderson play stuff, I did think it was interesting he called it a tandem. But it is Maybe a that's a stretch. It was a tandem. I guess, but I still thought it was interesting. I still thought it was interesting. I still you thought it was interesting. parser. I don't care what he has to say about Freddie Anderson because he's not going to go out in the media and sewer Freddie Anderson. Right. I thought his perspective was good. I thought – he shared, actually, the way I feel about Freddie Anderson. He kind of made it clear that Jack Campbell looks close. I know he's been day-to-day for a while, but these, this time off makes it seem as though you're going to see him fairly soon. Yep. But the assessment of, you know, someone asked him about his vision or whatever, that, that kind of stuff was gobbledygook. This was a this was the state of the franchise going into the deadline. That's all this was yesterday. And Kyle yep. Dubas basically said the state of the franchise is this. We're going to try to get a rental player, everybody, and that rental player is going to be a forward. And yep. I'm going to do everything possible to get that. And if I don't, it's probably because people didn't value our trade pieces or the, the market this year and the weirdness made it too difficult. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. Last thing from me is that he set the – standard high, the expectations high, did what Mark Shapiro did before this offseason about the need to spend. Yeah, he said he would trade a top prospect at the deadline. I know, but this is always, for me, where things get tricky. You say you would trade a top prospect. Yeah, if the Nashville Predators want to trade Philip Forsberg, we would give up Nick Robertson. If they want to deal Mikhail Granlund, then no. Then maybe Rodion Amarov, who 
has now become the guy I'm throwing in every trade. Oh boy. <laughs> I can't that's get why rid- I never I all can't my wait to get rid all of my that trades. Guy. No, every so a couple of years ago there used to be this Twitter account. I think it was called something cappuccino. It was a funny, it was a good account. But he had this bit where everything was at the deadline was Connor Brown, a second round pick, and something else for player X. It was just the stock Leafs fan trade. I am now doing that with Rodion Amarov for everything. I'm basically that Twitter account with Rodion Amarov. Mm-hmm. Every trade. And then you throw in Rodion Amarov and my instead of Connor Brown, I have Pierre Engvall in every trade. Rodion Amarov, <laughs> uh, Pierre Engvall, the Alex Kerfoot contract, and uh, what picks do you want is my yeah. fa- foundation for everything. Yeah. Uh, see you later, Rodion. Hardly knew you. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have Chris Johnson on uh, after time. SDA. You, you oh, didn't yeah. hear. Uh, oh, SDA. He, he kind of hyped him up. He kind of gave us a little bit him. of an SDA. Hey, the guy's a second line center in the KHL. So, anybody wants that on their team? He's you also can get three it. feet tall. You know, yeah. like maybe you want that yeah. guy, another three foot tall guy. All right. Anyways, yeah, yeah we'll talk to CJ after uh, 10 o'clock, who like basically concluded his story on sportsnet.ca with it could happen tomorrow so today is tomorrow from when he wrote it so i don't know cj update us on on how soon this thing is happening we'll talk to him after 10 o'clock i know they say that that stuff that they put in the river in chicago is not it's it's environmentally friendly i mean it can't be good can it can it be like just good for the fish, the fish see that yeah, and they're like, def- "Yay!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between environmentally friendly and good. Yeah, it's like, is it a net positive? Should we be doing it every day? Then why? So that's the next question. If it's good for the fishies and it's like fish food and they like it, makes them healthier, strong, strong fish in whatever river that is in Chicago. Then no, you want zero impact. You don't want stronger fish. You just want no impact. And I think that's yeah, you don't want the fish growing legs and then walking yeah. out of the yeah. out of the water and and taking over the uh, city of Chicago. Yeah, I don't know. Just seems like probably net negative. Uh, I miss buying a shirt for St. Patrick's. Huh? Like you, I miss buying a shirt. You would go through your closet in university, and either you had something green that was all right or you had to go do a rip through winners and take a peek for something with some green that also looked fresh i had a and... go to guinness shirt it was yeah it had a it was all black had like a guinness glass on yeah, it i got thanks. it for free everyone at it has... at, at a, yeah as a giveaway everyone knows somewhere. that shirt buddy thanks you didn't have to describe it oh i had a guinness shirt it was black it had guinness logo on it oh did it it did yeah. it did have those things but that fit the St. Patrick's Day fit there was always the guy who was the hey I'm the most into St. Patrick's Day I got the glasses I got the hat I got the green on green I got a green jacket I wasn't all the way there but I was I was definitely getting new fits for St. Patrick's Day that was the first fits that the kid was doing was yeah St. Patrick's Day going out fresh green Looking good, all day drinking. Get a fresh shirt so I could puke on it by like mm, two right. o'clock in the afternoon. St. Patrick's Day shirts. ultimate puke and rally day. Oh, yeah, it's a fact. <laughs> um, let's bring in uh, Chris Johnson, the NHL and Sportsnet headlines, hockey night in Canada. I don't know if he even drinks beer anymore now that he's no, like so this skinny. svelte guy. Is this male model? Do you even drink beer anymore, Chris? Oh yeah, I probably yeah. drink twice as much now. Yeah, yeah, smart. I was never a big St. Patrick's Day guy. I don't, I don't need any holidays to have a drink. Mm, I, I, here's the thing, neither do I, but I'm uh, not going to say no to a good time, you know? Uh, just, uh, I'll say yes. You can twist my arm, yeah, show up for an all-day drink of thumb. Don't be the guy that says St. Patrick's Day is for amateurs, right? Yeah. No, yeah, don't be that guy. No. Don't yeah, shame people for drinking. On yeah, Patrick's you're so Day. thin right now that sometimes when I see your videos, I'm like, is this a hostage video? Is there, are they feeding this guy? Are they, are they giving him food? You got in your three squares? <laughs> Thanks, I guess. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not being held hostage. That much I can tell you. 
Yeah. All right. That's good, man. Good, good, good. So, oh, Benny, you want to go? Oh, yeah, I was going to do this because I mentioned it off the top uh, how much I enjoyed your piece on sportsnow.ca, but here's the final line, the final sentence. It gets its own paragraph. Keep your calendars clear because it could be tomorrow. That was written yesterday. So it is now tomorrow. CJ, could it be today? Well, certainly based on everything we heard from Kyle Dubas, I, it would be impossible to conclude otherwise. I mean, that was a pretty fascinating media availability yesterday uh, for me because, you know, the least, you know, we, got, we can all call up cap friendly. We can all see that, that you know, making a trade and, and understanding the situation, why there's complications might be difficult. And, you know, Kyle was very unequivocal about what he intends to do. And, you know, I think it's hard to listen to that and not at least reach the conclusion that he knows something could happen. And, that, and you know, I do think he's incentivized to make it happen literally at, at any at the next possible available opportunity, which is today. Uh, so, you know, I don't know of anything specific that's going to come down, but, uh, you know, the way that he spoke, the conviction he had, and, and I think, you know, the desire to get someone, you know, into the Leafs, uh, system as soon as possible all conspires to say that, that something's got to happen here soon. Yeah, and also just looking back at the guy's track record, uh, there was a reminder yesterday, we brought it up off the top of the show, how the one thing I don't think he gets enough credit for is how aggressive he has been at the deadline. We kind of clown on him because he's done the Patan and Malgan things, but ultimately he, three to four weeks out, he's been the deadline ruiner for you and Elliot sitting at the desk where he makes the Jack Campbell trade weeks before the deadline. He makes the Jake Muzzin trade weeks before the deadline and kind of saps that content and makes it feel as though he hasn't done that. So part of me thinks, hey, this is business as usual for Kyle Dubas in terms of wanting to get out ahead of the market, but... The one little nugget from it that I took away was not a sense of frustration maybe, but something close to that where he goes, it takes two teams to make a deal. It's pretty clear the Leafs are out there saying, we'll give you a top prospect. We'll make one of these moves. We want to make one of these things now. It Doesn't it feel like the question is, when are the sellers ready to move? No, because I think the Leafs are going to have to overpay, frankly. you know, I, I just think that there's no way around that because of this quarantine issue. The U.S. teams that are selling, and that's primarily what we're talking about here, you know, they have no reason to, to lower the prices right now. They know that they have these Canadian teams in a spot where they want to make these deals soon, and they have the luxury, if those deals don't come together, to say, all right, well, the trade deadline's still not for three and a half weeks, and, you know, U.S. teams, some of them don't even, won't even have a one-day quarantine if the player can drive from city to city. Like, if Kyle Palmieri gets traded from New Jersey to the island, he could play that night uh, for the Islanders. And that's that's a huge difference uh, when, when it comes to making deals. And so I just think there's, there's almost no way around it that if you're in the Leafs position, you're probably going to have to expend a bit more, you know, in terms of assets to get someone. I, I don't, you know, I would at the same breath, though, I would say it doesn't mean it's not worth doing. Uh, because if you believe in this season, if you believe in the importance of, getting a player sooner than later to, to get that person, you know, through the quarantine, but also comfortable in his new environment. And the fact that you've said you're looking for rental players, I mean, the clock's ticking. And so I, I don't think it's ticking in his favor or any of the other Canadian GMs. Uh, but, you know, you're right. He's been decisive. I, I don't know how anyone honestly could really, I mean, you might quibble with individual moves as you would with any GM, but I think Kyle's shown a ton of conviction I think he's been very upfront when he speaks about what he intends to do and goes and does it. I mean, remember even the offseason. He set the market. He got more for Kasperi Kapanen than anyone who made trades afterwards. You know, the teams that, that waited longer were giving away good players for third-round picks, and he got a first-rounder and a decent prospect at Philip Hallander and made that move, you know, before the market had really established itself. And so, you know, I think that, that it is his M.O. to – uh, be very clear in his conviction to identify what he wants to do and to get it done. Okay. this is, I'm not trying to get off track here because I agree with a lot of what you said. And I still think that the Kapanen trade was a good one and that Kapanen's fit on this team was not great. And he's got, I think, seven even strength goals on the Penguins this season, so it doesn't look as good. But I mentioned the irony a couple of days ago of getting that first-round pick that you're now hoping that you could potentially flip into a guy like a Kapanen, where it's someone who can play up in your top six and provide some scoring and give you a forward that has a little bit of bite, all the things that Kapanen does. 
And not to get revisionist and whether or not we should be criticizing him, like it should be, this is mostly going to be a looking forward segment. But I do think that this ripple effect, this, this does have an interesting ripple effect. Instead of moving Alex Kerfoot because they saw his value as a centerman, they moved the other two guys who were wingers, Kapanen and Janssen, who both make less money and who I think both have one year less of term remaining. He keeps Kerfoot and Kerfoot ends up being a winger and frankly not a very good one, one where they're clearly looking to upgrade at either one of his spots. They would love to get a top six left winger, someone who could supplant him and push him down the lineup, or they'd love to get a third line center, someone who takes the spot he was supposed to have. How much of this deadline comes down to the fact that they didn't trade this guy in the offseason when they may have had a better chance, or were there even suitors for him? Do you think there, were even, uh, there was even a market for him at the time? How big is that ripple? I think you're mixing a few rails there. Like, they would have traded Kerfoot at the time they traded Kapanen and Janssen, but the market bore out would have bore out. And, you know, obviously he does have some value because he's played center. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they've been consistent, even back to last year's trade deadline, in at least fielding calls on him. Um, and, you know, I think that they, they made the moves that they could. I, I don't see this as bad cap management. I mean, look, Kasperi Kapanen has one more year on his deal. I, you, you were trading him while you could get maximum return for him. You know, the, the longer you went down that road, you were either going to have to resign him or you're trading less of him. And I think that the bloom comes off the rose in terms of what you get as a result. And if you end up trading Rodion and Amarov now, you know, the prospect they drafted with the first-round pick they got for Kapanen, I, I don't see that as – to me, it's not like doubling down on a bad bet. I, I think it's just a natural evolution of what they're doing. They traded Kapanen and Janssen to free up space to improve the blue line. And while obviously the last stretch of games hasn't gone well for the team, I, I think we'd mostly be in agreement that they've made improvements on that blue line, you know, since September when they made the Kapanen deal. And so I, I just think this is natural evolution. I don't think they're chasing their tail at all, to be honest. And, and really, as I say, going back a year is when they, they recognized that they probably weren't going to be able to pay those guys 3 to $4 million uh, as, you know, the Kapanen, Janssen, uh, and, and Alex Kerfoot cap hits are now. It's not to say Kerfoot's gone at this deadline. I think he's the most obvious piece to move if it's a money-in, money-out type of transaction. But, you know, he still has some value. It's not a pure salary dump. You know, I think the issue if you're Toronto is, you, you know, you're probably losing him to Seattle in the expansion draft if you're not trading him now. And so, you know, it, it makes some sense, I think, to, to explore his value as part of these series of moves. And, and so... Look, it's not going to ever be state. Like, when you pay the top guys what you're paying them, I think it's going to require the GM to always be moving around the other parts. And, and you know, there's going to be no stability for the bottom 20 on this roster. It's only the top five that get that luxury. I'd say the bigger ripple was, yeah, the Barry trade in general or the Cadre trade, however you want to phrase it. Uh, yeah, but they gave a fourth-line guy, a third-line guy, three and a half million bucks, like... Sorry, you know, like CJ? that's what Kerfoot is, you know? So, I, like, my point is not so much that they shouldn't have traded Kapanen or that they shouldn't have traded Janssen. My point is just that I, I think that, yeah, if you were looking at a time where you probably could have gotten a money-in, money-out trade for Kerfoot, it would have been last offseason. And that the gamble to make him a third-line center has clearly not worked out. And now they need it. Like, he, he hasn't been that guy. He's not worth $3.5 million in this, Wait, in this cap reality. Look, what, what hasn't worked out? I think what hasn't worked out is they don't have a second-line winger. You know, I, I, I don't think him as a third-line right. center was the problem. I think they've had to move him up because they don't have someone to play above him. You know, if they can somehow make a trade where they get a second-line winger, I think he's back to being their third-line center, honestly. For sure. Without shipping out. But I don't know if you can make that all work cap-wise, frankly. Like, I just I don't see it. I don't see that being a fit. All right, so I connected some dots earlier, and you mentioned Amarov. We've already shipped him out of town. Like, yeah, uh, hardly knew you. Rodion, it was, uh, it was a fun time when you were selected. and maybe Rodion's on the table. We got Rodion <laughs> on the table. So, it's yeah, it's one thing for Kyle Dubas to be talking about him when he says top prospect. Yes, those guys are dangled in trades. The other guys that are top prospects that have seen the National Hockey League level, obviously the fan base has a, a closer connection to in uh, Robertson and Sandine. Um, do you think those are also guys that he's talking about? And, and two... He also said this is a weird season where you're actually prioritizing rentals. Are we talking about giving up one of those top prospects for a rental? Yes, yes, and yes. I think it depends on who the rental is. You know, that obviously impacts the decision. But, you know, the Leafs have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. I don't think, you know, 
what's obvious to me is they're not worried about next year. And, you know, I don't think they should be, frankly, right. in, in, in this position. And, and I know that's going to be hard because there's nothing any fan base loves more than the, the next guys that are coming that haven't screwed up in front of your eyes yet, that haven't maybe not developed as quick or whatever. Like, I get it. And, and I think fans have right to be excited about all those players. But, you know, the, the Leafs, I, I don't – I think that's – it's they're smart. They're not taking anyone off the table. It's it, It's about – using all the assets they can to try to make the team as good as it can be heading into this year's playoffs. They're not just going to give those guys away, but they're, they're in play. And so, you know, we'll see what they can come up with with them. But I, I think that that should get the attention of other teams, frankly. I mean, I, I don't see very many NHL teams get this bold in terms of doing this sort of thing. I mean, it's always we want to add, but we don't want to give you our best stuff. Well, the Leafs are willing to give you some of their best stuff uh, if you're willing to play ball with them. Yeah. So we keep coming back to the same name. I think it's the same name Elliot wrote down on the piece of paper. It's been the same name forever and ever and ever now, which is Michael Granlund. So we had Mike Feuda on yesterday. He basically said it's going to be really tough for the Leafs to get top-end roster players because they don't have guys on their roster they can give up and that prospect values are down, especially when you consider the Leafs' best chip, Rasmus Sandin, has been hurt and there's not a lot of clarity on the injury at this point. Is Granlin kind of the name that you're still circling, or are there some other names that are starting to pop up in in the rumor mill that weren't there before? Well, I mean, we've all heard like there's I've heard seven names with the Leafs. You hear Alex Alfalo, you hear Nick Foligno, you hear Granlin. Like I I don't know who it is honestly, and I'm not convinced it's just one of the obvious candidates here. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think the Leafs are the kind of organization that smartly goes through the entire league and literally thinks of every possible fit there could be, you know, like they're, they're, they're playing chess on a different level than we are uh, in terms of understanding what they can do with their cap situation and, and considering every possible move. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't know who the player is. Uh, I think that Granlin makes some sense. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not sure I fully, I didn't hear Mike Puta's interview with you guys. So I, I, you know, I might be misunderstanding what you said there. Well, you know, like some of us got to work, from 10 to 12, you know? Yeah, us. I was just going to say, yeah, that's what we were doing, too. Yeah, Yeah, but if I was a listener, I would, it'd be hard to be doing both. Um, (laughs) So I don't know exactly what he said, but I I still think the Leafs have a lot to get a player done. I mean, here's the other way around. I mean, the players we're we're talking about mostly here are rental forwards. I mean, what are the other teams bidding for these guys going to offer? I mean, how many of them have a Rasmus Sandin equivalent? You know, and I think that's the guy. Like, I don't think the Leafs are looking to move Rasmus Sandin. I mean, we we could all easily project him in their lineup as soon as he can play here. Um, but you know, I think the Leafs got a lot to to move on. I mean, they're putting first round picks on the table and prospects, and and the, even a roster player potentially, someone like Alex Kerfoot. That's more than most contenders are willing to give up at this point in time to, to add to their lineup. No, it wasn't that he said that they weren't willing to sacrifice those guys. It was just that in a normal season, prospects are worth more than they are right now because of the uncertainty of the amount of play they've had over the last couple of seasons. And that if a team, most specifically when we were exploring the idea of them trying to get in on a like a high, high, high-end guy like a Philip Forsberg, he just basically made the case of that you don't move a player like Philip Forsberg for a couple of guys that are maybes, even if they are top prospects like the Robertsons or the Sandines and the Leafs organizations. And that, the yeah, it's just it's not the best year to have picks and prospects like other years where those two things would have been, yeah, a near certainty to get you types of guys like that. So, yeah, we're in right. a spot. Yeah, we're we're in a spot right now where, it, yeah, it's clear they're swinging for the fences. They're looking for those names. There's some of them that you don't think are out there. Uh, like we can go back and forth all day on who we think the best targets are, but they're obviously doing it. Do you think that there's going to be a little bit more of a priority on some depth defensemen then, though? Because all right, so maybe they trade Sandine, which makes it obvious that they need somebody, or he's not ready to go health wise for quite some time. They did move Miko Lettinen. I, we mentioned Martin Marinson's name. You don't really want to see him. I don't think you want to see Callie Rosen. I don't know what Kivi Halme is. Do you think that that's also going to be something they address? Uh, somebody who can at least fill in if there's an injury because they kind of look thin behind their six guys right now. 
They do, but, you know, it, it just comes down to cap room. Like, I, I think it's clear that the getting a forward is what they want to do, and that might eat up all the cap space. I think it's that simple. But, you know, you, you can't rule out a defenseman either. I mean, I saw Elliot had in 31 thoughts, you know, that he thinks they're out on that home. I keep hearing that they're still tied back home. Uh, and I'm certainly not going against Elliot. I'm, I'm just saying that we're hearing conflicting things on that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's on the table or not, but, but certainly they're I, – I don't think that they could say, oh, yeah, we're, we're totally done at, at D. It's just, you know, you have to make a wish list and then you have to be realistic about what you can get done. And, I mean, what's fascinating to me, I don't know if you guys heard any Mark Bergevin's comments yesterday – the Leafs and the Habs are in, like, shockingly similar cap positions. And Mark Bergevin's comments are basically like, I can't do anything, guys. I've got no flexibility. I, you know, and Kyle was, was quite clear that, you know, he expects to make trades, that he wants them to happen soon. I mean, it was, it was two different ways of looking at the, almost the exact same cap situation. I guess the difference being, you know, the guy that Montreal would be moving is Paul Byron to create cap room. You know, at this stage of his career, he doesn't have as much value as Kerfoot does. But, you know, other than that, uh, they're they're in shockingly similar spots. And I, I do think that the Leafs have to look at improving anywhere they can because, you know, this is an all-in season. But like you said, it takes two to tango, and it takes two to make a deal today, like uh, we're hopeful of uh, happening, especially after reading your piece. But... He also mentioned the uncertainty of a player that quarantines for 14 days and you get him at the deadline, you have like six or seven regular season games before they have to go into a seven-game series uh, with so much on the line for this franchise considering the year. Do you think the prices... The, the, the Maple Leafs are unwilling to do some of the high-price negotiating that they appear willing to do now the closer we get to that deadline or is there a point where like we're at the deadline you can't even bother to do that because there's so there's so much uncertainty with a a a player that's been on the shelf for 14 days and the run-up before playoffs like how do you view this going a little bit closer to the deadline well the closer you get to the deadline you're not trading your top prospects i don't think or you know or, or the first round pick goes off the table you know, I, I have trouble imagining the sort of deals I think we're sort of hinting at here that, the, that those would be consummated involving the Leafs on April 12th. I, I just – it makes no sense. I mean, if you're getting a rental player – so, you know, as Kyle mentioned, he's coming out of quarantine April 27th or 28th. You know, even as good a shape as these guys are in, if you don't skate for 14 days, like how many days after that before you can even play once you get skating again? You know, the season – the regular season ends May 8th. You know, if if that person's not playing games until May third for you, like what? Why would you? As much as you want to potentially load up for a two month playoff run, it might be one round again. So it might be three regular season games and seven playoff games. You know, it, no matter how big the name is or good the player is, I, I just think it doesn't make sense for the Leafs. They're, they're less incentivized to give up the, the big names the closer they get to the deadline, and that that's kind of the tango essentially. Um, you know, I know from speaking to some other teams not the Leafs, that they think the prices will come way down on April 12th because the, the sellers aren't going to have the same number of buyers as usual. Like Some teams by that point will just say it's not even worth bringing players in uh, at that late a date. And so, you know, I, think, I guess that's where this the, the opportunity, if you're a seller, I think, with the Leafs is you have to understand and believe that, that their offers are going to diminish significantly even as a week passes. Like, you know, I think that every day is important right now because of the the circumstances around this season and then the quarantine and all that. Do you think that a team like Ottawa or even Vancouver will ever enter the conversation of, hey, these guys might be willing to move some pieces because they know the other Canadian buyers are in such a bind when it comes to quarantines? I think they will. I I just don't see a lot there that I would covet. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't see rent, rental players on either of those rosters that, you know, I think the Leafs should be tripping over themselves to get. Um, you know, that, that's that's probably the biggest issue. And I guess maybe under these this weird circumstance, you, you, you just take one of their players because it does, you know, potentially make it a little bit easier with, with quarantine rules and, and the like. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, those teams don't really have the, the main players that, that I think the Leafs would, would really want. Yeah. I, I just look at like a team like the Canucks. Kyle Dubas became a Leaf. I mean, Kyle Dubas said it yesterday. It was kind of just like, hey, he's here. He's in Ottawa. He can just drive here. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what this guy is. Yeah. Uh, 
I personally think they know what he is. We know what he is, but sure. I I guess if they're throwing Patans and Agostino and all the other things that they've thrown at the bottom of the lineup, I don't really give too much of a uh, crap about it. It's not like I'll be upset if they throw Galchenyuk in and take a flyer. They've thrown Patan, whatever. So, sure, I, I just think a team like Vancouver, to me, is super interesting. Not even necessarily for Toronto, but just to have guys like Sutter and Pearson, who are those rentals. Um, I don't know who else. I think Edler is, too. So, to yeah. be able to just say, hey, we've got these kind of pieces, a Hamannick, whatever, someone who you might value, someone who you might look at and say there's no quarantine, uh, but that would also mean that they're saying we're out of the race or that they, they would take that criticism of being out of the race when they're not totally out of it, but it could probably help their franchise a lot given where they're at and the season they just had. I, I find them to be – like Ottawa has nothing, let's be honest. They don't have a single rental player or a piece that I think would go and help another team right now, but there's at least some guys on Vancouver you could talk yourself into if they did swing that direction. Yeah. For sure. And, and look, Vancouver's got three and a half weeks here to be very out of the race. And I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, I don't, I don't think particularly highly of their team. I know they won in Ottawa the other night. Like, no. they got thoroughly outplayed. Um, you know, they're, it's just a lost season. They, they, they don't have enough depth around their star players, and, and they got to be realistic about where they're at. Uh, agreed. CJ, great stuff as always. Uh, treat yourself to a green beer today. Thanks for doing this, buddy. All right, I'll be thinking of uh, JD and his fresh green cuts That's when right. I do so. That's right. I got to get one today when I go out. Got to get out there in the streets today. Got to move around. Got to get out there. Got to got to hit the uh, the old disc golf field. Gonna be a good day. Thanks, CJ. You doing the disc golf, eh? Yeah, yeah man. I'm banging chains wow. all over the city. It's Have great. you ever done it? I, like, I'm no, I'm fifty percent but... on breaking my ankle every time I play. Yeah. It's a 50-50 shot that I break my. You ankle. You want to come? Yeah. I've never done it, but I've seen people doing it, and I'm kind of intrigued. So, Dude, you, you ever want to come, you let me know, and I'll take you out. We'll bang some chains. I got some discs for you and everything. It's a great time. I'm telling you. You'll, you will have the exact same takeaway that every person I've ever gone with has, which is they say the quote of, I can't believe this is free. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. High praise. I actually don't even like to talk about it because I don't want people going out there and doing it. Like, I don't want it too jammed up out there. I feel like I'm breaking the code. I feel like I'm breaking the disc golfer's code. But, yeah, beautiful week, beautiful couple of days. Just get at the kid. Let me know. All right, bud. Sounds good. All right. See you, man. Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson. Probably not right now. I don't think that he wants to be doing that right now. He's out there. This is having a great time. Jackson's hey, uh, phone. your phone's ringing, CJ. Don't you think you should answer that? Like, no, 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 man. I got a chance for birdie here. Shut up. He'd have to be the Bluetooth guy out there. You know, he'd have the little blue. <laughs> oh, oh, go for CJ. And it's not even uh, worth go for it. CJ. It's not even yeah. worth it at that point because uh, then you're that for guy CJ. forever. You can never lose that stigma. No. Go for <laughs> CJ. The Bluetooth. Oh, oh, that's another go for CJ. What are we hearing right now? <laughs> I know yeah, that. One of the the internet gets mad about it, but I still think, okay, Granlin's the obvious guy. Felino's the dude I would want the most. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of Felino, course. Felino, Tavares, Nylander line is, yeah, me likey. I like that a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, what better way to kill the karma ghost than to yo, get, go get a guy that put you in a terrible spot, made Kyle Dubas have this horrible press conference where he defended Cody Ceci. Yeah, go out and get Nick Felino, exercise the demons, hometown guy, family lineage with the organization. Uh, yeah, uh, I like it a lot. But yeah, it, it feels like it's got to happen this week before they play again, or maybe it doesn't happen at all. Because yeah, they're not, they're not blowing their brains out with a... Uh, Rasmus Sandin offering and then getting some guy who only plays like six games the regular season that might be optimistic if you're getting a player at the deadline and then getting a run in the playoffs with that player it's just not happening the only thing with Felino is is that you can't give up like that if you're getting Felino, you're not trading Robertson or Sandin which is part of the reason why it feels a little bit more appealing to me when you're talking about guys down the line, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so anyways. Again, you can have Rodion Amarov. 
for Nick Foligno. It's a possibility. It's out there. We've dealt them. Rodion Amarov, Pierre Engvall, and <laughs> what did I say? Uh, I don't know. Third round pick. Is that doesn't get it done? We're not. We're not done here. They're not calling it into the league for Nick Foligno. He also has a full no no move no trade clause as well. Oh yeah, I mean, no, I'm sure that he wouldn't want to come to Toronto. I'm sure he would say no, no, don't send me to where all my friends and family are. No, where I'll be a potential legend, get a chance to win a Stanley Cup. Please, no. Plus, plus, we didn't even consider this. Former yeah. Sudbury Wolf gets to wear those reverse retros, and he's like, "This feels right. Exactly. This feels like I'm back now in Sudbury." Yeah. Now you're <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I know the goal scoring is down with Felino, and some people don't think that he's a top six guy anymore. He's a hell of a lot better as an option to me than Alex Kerfoot. And if you don't have to give up one of your top two guys to get that dude, yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. So out of those names you mentioned, yeah, Granlin and Felino are the guys. But what I kept trying to dig out of him and what still doesn't appear to be happening is the guys around the fringes, the other players that have yet to surface, the other guys that have yet to pop up. And I also wonder, too, if there are teams that are... This is the tough part about jumping the market, right? Is There's a bunch of teams like Vancouver who look at it in the, in the States and say, well, we still have time to correct things. We still have time to make sure that we don't miss out on the playoffs. But I wonder if there would be a group, a front office that would say, hey, listen, this player X only has a year or two left on their deal. And yeah, we're in the playoff mix right now. And yeah, it's normally a bad look. But if we can get Nick Robertson, right? We can go out and get Nick Robertson. Why are we not doing that? The weird one was obviously Ricard Raquel would be amazing for this team, right? Uh, like bona fide top six guy, money in the playoffs, all of those things. A guy they should have had, still young, right? There's no, hey, is this a diminished asset? His salary's not too crazy. I think he makes still just under four mils, so not insane cap gymnastics. Word is is that his price was too high from Elliott or that his price is super high, obviously, as it should be. But I could not understand a team like the Ducks saying, no, we wouldn't trade Raquel for Nick Robertson, who's from California and would fit the timeline, right? I, that's one I don't get. How is that not just the, uh, again, call it into the league? It's done. Yeah, and I I just wonder if it has something to do with, yeah, not seeing these guys as much as they would have liked, like the, the lack of playing time, the injury he mm. suffered this season, all of that. But it does feel like this is coming this week. Hopefully today. That just seems like the one where you go, yeah, obviously. And Toronto gets him for one more year next season at under four million bucks. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the Nick Robertson trade where I go, hey, okay, sure, Nick Robertson, Rodion Amarov, uh, third round pick, Pierre Engvall, call it into the league, get it done. That's the deal. Anaheim, how are you saying no to that? That's not good for you. I, I think I've given you too much. <laughs> well, man, we could we could see this play out. We'll see exactly if what you've given up for Ricard Raquel is fair market value. Because, again, I think it's happening before the week is out. Uh, but why would anyone say no to that? I'm not, I'm not understanding that, right? Ricard Raquel, for hometown boy, Nick Robertson... You get to put him in that Anaheim Ducks colors. He's out in California. You can market him that way. There you go. Boom. Yeah, I you don't get Rodion Amarov. Ducks are worried about marketing their team. They're like, this is <laughs> there is no yeah. marketing of this team. Yeah, but I I still don't think it hurts having a local guy who's a stud anywhere you go. It's just an easy sell. Man, think about for non-basketball fans in this country what the easiest thing to do was for the long time. Or what do you say to someone who doesn't care about basketball? You're watching a game, all of a sudden the Nuggets are on TV. You go, that guy's Canadian. And they go, yo, yeah. Uh, that Okay, now I'm kind of invested. I would think that if you took someone to a Ducks game and they were kind of on the fence and you said, oh, the guy who's leading the team in goals is from California. They'd go, wow, really? That's cool. Let's go down. I, 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 I have to believe it matters to some degree. So Nick Robertson, Rodion Amarov, second round pick, Pierre Engvall. 
for an irrelevant season for you now of Ricard Raquel, and then what? You're going to do a lot better than that? No. Come on. Uh, you know what's going to happen now, because we've said his name so much, and we've really referred to him disparagingly uh, as just like a throw-in guy, a guy that obviously you'd throw overboard, that we're going to have to speak at Rodion Amarov's Hall of Fame induction ceremony mm. and give him... I don't know, our our respect. Uh, by that time, we'll have already been the laughingstock of hockey media. But, yeah, this is clearly the way it's trending, the way poor Rodion Amarov has been spoken about in the last hour and 35 minutes on this radio program. Wish him well, though, in Anaheim. That'll be great. On his Hall of Fame journey for <laughs> Ricard Raquel.